Praise the Lord, Grace Church. It's wonderful to see you all. I'll ask you to stand this morning and just begin to worship with us as we sing. Say by grace and power 
praise church. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I feel the presence of Jesus in the house today. If you feel his presence, would you just clap your hands and lift your voice? God is with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, welcome everyone to the Christmas service here at Grace Church this morning. We're glad you're here. Why don't you turn to someone standing close by and just tell them Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, Merry Christmas to you. We're so glad that you're part of our service today, and we know that you will be blessed by what is done here on campus today. God bless you, Grace Church. You may be seated today. As we, as we prepare to move through our Christmas celebration, I, I told you Wednesday night, to me, it's kind of like family. It's just kind of like getting the family together and celebrating Christmas today. And that's kind of how we're viewing this service. We just want to be one great, big Grace Church family to celebrate the Christmas season together. And that's what we're going to do as we, as we move through this service today. But first, let me remind you of just a couple of things coming up this week. Of course, United Family Prayer tomorrow night at your home at 714. We want you to be mindful of this and pray together with your family. And then another opportunity to pray this coming Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock right here in the sanctuary for Tuesday morning prayer. If your schedule allows, we would love for you to be a part of that and pray with us on Tuesday. Also, in the spirit of Christmas, we have a gift for everyone as you, as you make your exit after the service today. I don't want you to exit right now. I don't want you to run out there and, and get your gift just yet. But as you exit after, after the service today, we do have a special gift for you from Grace Church, and we want you to be blessed by that. Today, today as we do every year on our Christmas service, we are receiving a very special offering for Christmas for Christ. This offering, all proceeds go to plant churches in North America. And you know, North America really is a missions field. We talk a lot about overseas missions and foreign missions, but North America is a, is a, is a harvest ready to be harvested. And so what we give today will go to that, to that cause. It'll go to plant churches. It'll go to train church planters, pastors, families that'll go into cities and plant churches. And so we want you to be aware of that. We want you to give today. Of course, you can give online. You can give on the app. And then also on the way out today, there's a box where you can give uh, your offering. If you'll just mark that Christmas for Christ, you can give on your way out today. So be mindful of that. I believe that, I believe that we have a great opportunity as the church to reach the lost right here in North America. And today we can be part of that with our gift. So before we go any further in the service today, I want us to just pray together. I want us to pray over what will be given to this cause. And I want us to pray over the remaining of the service today that God will be with us. Can we do that today, Grace Church? Jesus, I thank you that we already feel your presence and we're only just beginning because you are here with us now. And that's the great message of the Christmas story that God is with us. Lord, let everything that is done here today be anointed and let it touch our lives, our hearts, our minds, our spirits. We truly want to be changed by the Christmas message today, the Christmas story. And Lord, what we're able to give today online and maybe even on the way out today in the, in the foyer, what we're able to give to Christmas for Christ, to plant churches, I pray you would take it, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, and that it would go to the feathering of your kingdom and to the establishing of great churches all over this land. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the praise team comes to lead us in our Christmas celebration, I, I just thought I would tell you, at, at the Bunch household this year, we decorated for Christmas early. 
this year. We, we decorated for Christmas on November 15th. Now, now if, if, you're, if you're familiar with your calendar, you know that on November 15th, I mean, Thanksgiving is still a ways down the road on November 15th. And, and we did this because we knew how our schedule was going to play out. We knew what our, our holiday schedule was going to be. So we knew that that was really our best opportunity. And so what we did, we, we turned the air condition down on about 52. So, so it would feel like Christmas. And, and we, we cranked up the Christmas music. We got out all of the, the Christmas decorations. We made coffee and hot chocolate. I'm kidding about the air conditioning part, but the rest is true. And it, it, it was amazing how just within just a couple of, of minutes, just of doing all of that, with a holiday still uh, uh, off in the future a good bit, all of a sudden, just in a few moments, the, the Christmas spirit just came over our house. We were, we were singing and maybe even dancing a little bit. We were laughing and it, it, it was just a holly jolly Christmas all of a sudden. I mean, it just, just right there in the middle of summer on November 15th. And, and Elena remarked, she said, she said, I just love Christmas time. And, and that really struck me because it wasn't Christmas time yet. And, 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 and so just in that moment, all of a sudden, we were in the Christmas spirit. And, you know, a, a lot of people call it the spirit of Christmas. Some, some people call it the feeling that only comes this time of year. Some call it the spirit of Christmas, whatever the name is. I, I just believe, really, honestly, it's the Christ of Christmas. There, there's just some, you know, when you say Merry Christmas or you start talking about Christmas, you necessarily say the name of Christ. Christ must. And, and, when you, and when you call the name of Jesus, when you begin talking about him, he has a way of showing up. He has a way of manifesting his presence. And I believe, really, it's just a manifestation and a fulfillment of the scripture that says he gives beauty for ashes. He gives the oil of joy for mourning. And he gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what happened that day in our home. We began talking about the Christ of Christmas and all of a sudden the joy of the presence of Jesus just entered into our house. All of a sudden we began to feel his presence. And, and for a few moments we forgot about all of our worries. We forgot, forgot about all of our cares. And we just enjoyed the Christ of Christmas. I want you to know today that that's what's going to happen in this place. As the praise team begins to lead us in a celebration of the Christ of Christmas. As, as they begin to sing peace on earth, goodwill to men, the presence of God is going to come into this place. And if you'll open your mind and open your heart and begin to worship the Christ of Christmas, for just a few minutes, all of us collectively are going to feel the peace and the joy that only comes with His presence. So today, would you just clap your hands one more time to Jesus as the praise team takes us into a celebration of the spirit of Christmas.
season so much about this time of year is unique and rich for a few weeks out of the year our environments and our mindsets completely change we do things differently this time of year we sing differently we decorate differently we spend money differently we eat differently come on somebody 
But when was the last time you really thought about why? Why do all of this Christmas stuff? You know, I really enjoy our decorated Christmas tree in the Cooper household, so much so that we typically leave it up way past what's considered proper. I don't know if you've ever had a Valentine tree or a Mardi Gras tree or an Easter tree, but I think we could have pulled it off before. But why do that? Why decorate an imitation evergreen and then display it in a prominent place in your household? I love Christmas music. I love Carol of the Bells and Please Come Home for Christmas. And my silver Nissan barreling down I-12, me and Michael Bolton sound amazing, belting out Oh Holy Night together. But why? Why do we sing this, this certain list of songs only for a few weeks out of the year? And the food, I love Christmas food. The only thing better than turkey and dressing and ham and some of Mama Troy's green bean casserole for Christmas dinner are the 15 Christmas desserts that come afterward. And yes, I'm going to have some of each. Don't judge me. It's Christmas. But why? Why these spices and, and this combination of foods only in December? Is it, is it just tradition? Is that all it is? Is this just what we do at Christmas to make others happy, checking off the boxes to affirm that we are officially in the Christmas spirit? Is that what it is, just that tradition? Well, the short answer is, of course not. We know that there are more to these things than just sentimental tradition. As we trim the tree and hang the lights and bake the cookies and wrap the gifts, and when we sing here in South Louisiana about white Christmases and snow falling, roasting chestnuts, we understand that really what we're doing goes far deeper than mere tradition. But instead, we are marking out sacred rhythms that prepare our minds and hearts to receive and remember the moment God changed everything. You know, when I was a kid, all I really understood about Christmas was that Jesus was born and I get presents. And let's be honest, the presents were the lead story. I was a kid and I lived for G.I. Joe and Transformers. But as I got older, the true story and weight of Christmas came into focus. And what I didn't fully understand as a kid was that the world had been waiting on God. When Jesus was born, he was the word made flesh, that this world had been longing for God to speak for centuries. And when God finally spoke, he didn't speak judgment, he didn't speak condemnation, he didn't speak wrath, but instead the word he finally spoke was hope. Hope was alive, and hope now had a name, and it was a name above every other name, Jesus. Christmas is a hope story, a story about rescue, a great and, and gaping need answered. God, almighty, sovereign, omnipotent ruler of this universe saw that we, humanity, were dying in our brokenness and sin, unable to pull ourselves out of the consequences of our own imperfect choices 
stumbling about in the dark and separation from him. And so he sent the solution. His son, the perfect lamb, the perfect gift. Not wrapped in ribbon, colorful paper, but wrapped in fragile flesh and powerful love. I don't know if any of you have noticed this or not, but these days there isn't much peace and security to be found in this world. There certainly isn't an overabundance of hope out there. But God still wants to break through the chaos and craziness that surrounds you today with a necessary and needed interruption we call Christmas. You need to be reminded of God's heart and love for you. You need to be reminded that you are not forgiven or not forget, forgotten or insignificant. You need this interruption called Christmas to remember the unthinkable step that Jesus took from the highest heaven to the lowest manger to a sinner's cross and eventually into the grave and then up and out and into the very heart of humanity so you could have hope and live for what matters most. You need to be reminded that because Jesus came as a baby in a manger, you have hope. So in this Christmas season, take the time to enjoy the sacred rhythms and take the time to remember this miracle of miracles, this hope that we have that now lives forever. Take the time to slow down and feel the gravity of what Jesus has done and what it means for you and your life. A miracle is possible for you. Hope is available to you in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us.
job. Beautiful done. Beautifully done today. Don't you appreciate what you've seen and heard today? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. As I've said many times, if there's any disappointment to something like this, it's typically you only hear it once. And I don't know why we can't do this several times throughout the year. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how the, the heart of, of, of a man that loves God, the heart of a woman that loves God, can pin words to songs, to messages that are so adequate to describe the feeling of all of our heart. They all fall a little short, perhaps, of the absolute glory of God, but nonetheless, today here we've done our best to tell God that we truly love Him and that we're truly thankful that He came. I'm glad he came, that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, praise team. Thank you so very much. Uh, God bless you today. You may be seated. I want to applaud Brother Jason, Brother Dave. They both contributed beautifully here today. And I take both of them and their words as just pure honesty just pure transparency I believed every word that they said and uh, they came prepared to say what they said today and it was certainly from their heart and I really really appreciate it and in saying that I'm thankful that there are people that come to have things to say they're, they're ready to present something vocally verbally to all of us, but then others come dressed in a way where they don't want to maybe get up in front of everybody and say it, they just want you to look at them and know that their, their attire is saying the exact same thing that of, of what we've heard here today. And uh, Hinesley Bryan is one of those people, so I'd like for him to come up here today. Come on up here. I understand he intentionally went shopping to wear an outfit of Christmas lights and the little ornaments you hang on the tree. That's right. Give him some applause. And uh, so where Brother Jason and Brother Dave were so artful and, and just communicating so beautifully, Hinesley chose a different path. 
but he is saying the same thing. So y'all be sure to applaud him and congratulate him after the service. <laughs> Appreciate you, buddy. Looks nice, man. I mean it. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Thank the Lord. That looks really sharp, and I wished I had that kind of courage. I have courage to come up here and do what I'm doing, but I don't have courage right there. Maybe one day. Uh, I don't know if you would really want me to have that kind of courage either, but uh, we'll just leave the jury out on that one. And uh, thank you, Jonathan and Shanna, for participating in uh, his desires. I think that's awesome. Jonathan's pointing to Shannon saying it's all her. So whether you take that as a good thing or Jonathan bailing out, I don't know. So uh, anyway, great to see all of you here today. Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope you have a great, great holiday season. And uh, again, after all that we've heard, uh, it's I actually feel just a tad awkward in following all of that. Uh, but I am happy to say that the Word of God never falls short and it, it never comes up short. I'll just have you seated. I'll read some scripture text in just a moment. I want to speak to you for a little while today and I, I believe it is so applicable, especially to the climate of this year of 2020. Uh, I'd like for you to give ear to the Word of the Lord for a few moments here this morning. I'd like to talk to you simply about after the glory. <clears throat> what do you do after the glory of God has been made manifest? What do you do when it's over? We are living in the waning moments of another year. The holiday season will be quickly drawing to a close. The rush and nervousness of preparation will cultivate in a few hours of uh, quality time spent with friends and family. The gifts will be open, the food will be eaten, and for some, except for Jason Cooper, the house will be returned to order. <laughs> the hectic pace of the holiday season can leave us longing for a break, what some have spent weeks and months readying for is almost over seemingly before it ever began. Many times we find ourselves at this juncture with a tinge of melancholy. The tinsel and glitter, the lights and decorations, the olfactory delights of cinnamon and spice now are recent memories and are replaced with the mundane sameness of everyday life. The glory of Christmas is passing, and a new year looms ahead. The phenomenon of Christmas is not a new development. Matthew and Luke record the beautiful story of the first Christmas, the wonderful scenes of shepherds, angels, mangers, and wise men, and all of this is familiar to all of us. But think with me for a moment as I go through bits and pieces of some of these stories that collectively represent the Christmas season, the Christmas tradition. I would like for you to think with me for a moment and put yourself in the place 
of some of these people. How Mary must have felt as the angel said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Put yourself in her place. What if that had happened to you? I believe we would agree that that is an amazing glory. The almighty God of the universe met humanity in a way he had never done before. Paul wrote later that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. In the words of a familiar hymn, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Imagine the awe, the fear, and the glory of the shepherds. Put yourself, try to put yourself as we move away from Mary for a moment, now try to put yourself in the place where the shepherds were. Imagine what they must have experienced as they were joined in the fields with a heavenly host of angels just randomly filling up the sky one night. The Bible said, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. Imagine being there in that moment and experiencing the glory and manifestation of God as they did. You talk about a change of scenery. There's been only a handful that had seen the glory of the Lord, and yet he chooses to allow the lowly shepherds to share this experience. And then wise men come from the east to see this newborn Savior I believe it took them perhaps about two years to find them, him because they did not come to the manger. They went to his house. And when the very nation that God came to save could not see, the Magi discerned from afar. In great anticipation, they inquired diligently as to where the king of the Jews would be born. The Bible said, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. What a glorious birth! What a glorious star! 
What a glorious time. No wonder they rejoiced. As the words of the familiar carol declare, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The scenes I have just reiterated are so familiar to us. The lilting phrases of the King James Bible account we have heard until they are as much a part of the the tradition as anything we associate with the Christmas season. But what happened when it was over? When the angels are silent and the star has long since faded and the manger and swaddling clothes are all but distant memories, Mary and Joseph began the tedious task of raising a family and making a living. The shepherds returned to their flocks and the quiet existence of solitude that they that has been their lot for untold generations. The wise men returned to their home, although they must return a different way than which they came. Yet things with all of these players, if you will, in the Christmas story, after all this had happened, we must agree that now things are not the same. Things will never be the same. Mary will never forget the things that she has experienced. There will be days when the angelic encounters will seem a surreal memory that will seemingly be nothing more than a dream. There will always be the whispers of those who didn't even really believe her story. And there's the challenge of the, and the awesome responsibility of literally raising the Son of God. Hardly what we would consider everyday life. The shepherds on the hillside would never be the same. I'm sure there will be many nights around a fire that the stories of that eventful night were rehearsed. Maybe there was a wishful, heavenward gazing of succeeding generations to whom the legend had been passed down to. The encounter with God's glory had left them And it was now just a thing of the past. In preparing this presentation today, my heart could not help but ache. My heart could not help but yearn. Because it seems after all the events of this year that we're kind of living as a church and a people. We're kind of living where... These people lived after all of this to do announcing the birth of Jesus. I find myself pondering, what do we do now after the glory of 2017 and 2018 and 2019? I remember the miracles that were on a consistent basis. I remember, I can point out and enumerate many miracles that's happened in this church prior to this year. We can go down the list of memories and I find myself in my own personal prayer time looking to the heavens perhaps like some of these shepherds did and said, God, could you just sing one more song? I feel kind of like the wise men that, God, could you just show us one more star? 
It doesn't necessarily have to repeat the, the, the birth of Jesus again, but that whole thing represented hope. And could we see just a little bit of that? I'm preaching to you here today. What do you do after the glory? Perhaps all of the players in this wonderful drama, the wise men best understood the magnanimity of all they had seen. It was they who had come seeking the child. They had studiously pored over ancient writings and diligently inquired until they realized that for which they had traveled so far. Yet when they were ready to depart, the Bible said God warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, so they departed into their own country another way. When God's glory is encountered, when God's glory is encountered, lives are never the same. This is why I'll never understand how people allow worldly things to compete with and even take the place of God's glory and His esteemed majesty. But it's the account of Mary and Joseph that best displays this thought. One can hardly imagine what went through their minds during this tumultuous time. Angels appearing, shepherds coming to worship, magi bringing gifts, and a special star in the sky. It, 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 it almost... It's almost more than mortals can even comprehend and understand. The glory of the advent scarcely has time to become a memory when there is a drastic turn of events. One text told of the angels warning Mary and Joseph to flee into Egypt. Egypt of all places, that horrific place of bondage that every Israelite was well aware of. The land that represented all that was pagan and sinful. Why would they be called to go there? Could not God protect this little infant and his earthly family without going to Egypt? I think it's fair for Mary and Joseph to question, where are the angels now? Where is all that glory of God that they just experienced? Where is all that now? I want to submit to Grace Church today with all of my heart. Welcome to life. But life doesn't have to be over. This day is much like that first Christmas so long ago. Our lives are much like those whose stories we have just relived. The glory of another Christmas in just a few days is about to fade into our memory. And like so many of life's greatest moments, there is a sense of letdown when all is said and done. Perhaps it comes from reaching the peak we have been striving to attain. The letdown may come from not reaching the goal we desired. And sometimes it comes because there's a loss of direction, a questioning of where do I go from here? It is the Egypt experience. It is what we experience after the glory. After the glory, 
There is always a time of regrouping and reflection. Maybe that's why the new year comes shortly after Christmas. It's a time of new beginnings. It is a time for fresh starts. It is a time to reflect on where one has been and where one is going. It is a time to regroup, to reevaluate one's priorities and goals. Listen to pastor this morning. After the glory of the flood, we find Noah offering a sacrifice in a whole new world that he had no idea the potential for would even exist. After the glory at Mount Carmel, we find God speaking to a burned out Elijah in a still small voice and completely repurposing his life. After the glory, Jonah finds himself perched under the shelter of a gourd waiting for the destruction of Nineveh. After the glory of Pentecost, we see Peter and John on their way to what they thought was just another prayer meeting. After the glory, the great wonders and miracles among the people, Stephen is stoned. After the glory of of the Damascus Road experience, we find Paul in Arabia being tutored by the Holy Ghost. Let me stop and say here in passing that I've already talked to some of our leadership that we're grouping, regrouping for this coming year. And I feel very confident and very assured that we're laying out some new vision and new plans for Grace Church. And it has brought to my soul a sense of excitement and longing for what God has. We have experienced a lot of the glory of God in the past. And it seems in 2020, God put it all on pause. But I'm here to tell you today that every person in the Bible that experienced the glory of God in a magnificent way, it didn't stop there because that after the glory was a new vision, was a new purpose, was new value, was new promise. And I believe God is setting that before us today. So as you reflect this morning on the passing holiday season and on the events of this year, let me direct your attention to far weightier matters. Many may have experienced great heights in God. There's people here today, I can tell you assuredly, have certainly been on the mountaintop with Jesus. There's people here today that have seen things in the Spirit. There's people here today that have seen things in the Word of God that not only impacted your life, but have impacted the lives of those that heard it. I remember the Sunday morning that Dave Bunch preached, the Messiah is in us. It changed my life, and I pray that often. And I pray it with with authority and power. You have in times past received definite direction from God for your life. In times past, God has used you in mighty and wonderful ways. But the glory of those times and of those dreams have become a distant memory. There's people here today that perhaps feel that you have been sent to Egypt. You feel you're in a land of bondage. 
You do not see the plans God gave you ever coming to fruition. You are living after the glory. What is next? You don't know. That is why and that is what I've come to tell you today. We do not always live on the mountaintop. There are times that we go through valleys. There are valleys of depression. There's valleys of indecision. There's valleys where you lose focus. There's valleys and times in your life where you have deep questions and you question God very deeply. As I am funneling down to the conclusion of this message, I'm feeling a very heavy weight being let down on my shoulders because I know there's people here today and there's a bunch of them that this message is going right straight to your heart. If you don't feel that, you're not listening. God's plan is never to leave us in the valley. Even Joseph preached last Sunday that God thinks only good things about us and makes great plans for our lives. What God does is he uses these things. He uses this year. He uses COVID. If we'll let him, he'll use COVID. He'll use the stress of all of this year to lead us into yet another greater glory than we experienced in the last one. He brings us into greater service. It brings us into straighter and stronger anointing and to larger influence and to deeper relationship with Him. Past glories are not all you'll ever see. Past glories are not all you'll ever see. But I still believe and I still preach and I still teach and I still contend that if you'll open up and let God in, He still has greater plans for your life than those you've already experienced. Yes, He does. Just as we are changed, the Bible said, from glory to glory. The Bible doesn't teach from glory to destruction. It doesn't teach from glory to surrender. It doesn't teach from glory to give up. It teaches from glory to glory. So God desires to lead us from glory to glory to persevere through this Egypt experience that we all feel like we're in right now. Just wait until you see what is on the other side. I'm happy to announce to you today when the angel instructed Mary and Joseph to take infant Jesus into Egypt, there was never one single moment of planning to leave him there. <laughs> we missed that part. I said we missed that part. He returned. But notice, his return wasn't the greatest of places either. 
He returned to Nazareth. Nazareth was not that most desirable place to live. And yet we read that it was in Nazareth that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. It wasn't Egypt. Yes, he's out of Egypt. But he is still not where God's total destiny is for him. There's still a ways for him to go. And I'm presenting to Grace Church here today. I feel like that we're living in that afterglory mode. And perhaps some of us even took a little trip down into Egypt. But God, with the power and might of his hand, has brought us back to our Nazareth. It's not where we want to be. But we're growing in wisdom and stature and might and power. And may I add, I believe Grace Church is growing in favor with God. So you see, this nowhere land between mountain peaks is the preparation ground for your next great encounter with God's glory. Moses met God at the burning bush on the side of a mountain. I want to say that again. Moses met God at the burning bush on the side of a mountain. But it was many years and many trials later that he met God again on a mountain to receive the law that we call the law of Moses. You see, if Moses had walked away from the burning bush and said, this after glory thing is awful and just kind of stopped and quit, and just decided to live in the past memory of that burning bush, look what God's people would have missed out on. It is imperative for Grace Church to rise to the occasion. I know it's a Christmas service, but we're still going to preach the will of God. I believe it's time for Grace Church to rise to the occasion and determine we're not going to live in the glory of yesterday, but we're going to persevere through our Egypt and through our Nazareth, and we're going to pursue our destiny, and we're going to become what God wants us to become. Now let me remind you something. I'm not preaching hyperbole up here today. I've preached hope and vision for a long time. Years ago, I didn't know a whole lot about it. Still don't claim to know a whole lot about it, but I do know more now than I did then. We're glad to have Mike and Deidre here today, Frazier. They attended our church when we were in Baker, and they've heard this kind of preaching way back then. People have a propensity to sometime and say, well, where's all this glory stuff and where, where does it all lead? Ask Mike and Deidre about how it was in Baker on some of those Sundays. With what, 20, 25, 30 people? And pastor would get up and preach like an idiot. Back then I was younger and I could run around all over the place. Can't do all that anymore. But my heart hasn't changed. Preach revival and growth. Say, what all happened at all those sermons, Pastor? Look around and see for yourself. Hello? It's not, I'm not beating the air. I'm not wasting time. You think God's done? You think God's finished with this planet? 
What is the old saying? I don't think so, Tim, whoever Tim is. I don't believe God's done. I don't believe God's finished. And I don't believe he's done here either. So I'm calling on Grace Church today in our Christmas service that there's something for us to do after the glory. Maybe all those years of growth and buying this building and all that, it may be kind of a distant memory now, and I still cherish it, but there's something pounding on the inside of me that said it's time to turn around from the burning bush of yesterday, and we need to start looking that way and go in the direction that God wants us to go, be what God wants us to be. Let's do it. What do you say? So where... Were the years in between wasted time? Jesus in Egypt for some two years? And Nazareth virtually all of his life was all that wasted time? Absolutely not. The valleys was where ministry took place. You don't minister from a mountain. It is there you receive direction. And you leave the mountaintop after the glory. And that's really where you impact the lives of people. Somebody wrote Howard Thurman when the song of the angels is stilled and when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock and the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, feed the hungry, release the prisoner, rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. That's what you do after the glory. As you stand with me here today, I submit to everyone here. If it's over, if you feel like it's over, churches, we know it's over future with God is over. If you feel that way, that's only your attitude. That's not God. That's only your feelings. That's not how God's thinking right now. If it's not too much trouble, I didn't know y'all was going to put that hope word on the screen this morning. But I wonder if y'all could flash that back up there again. That, that was all the stuff that goes into hope. I thought that was pretty amazing and I, and I almost missed it. But uh, no, look at that peace, joy, promises, all of that. Watch all that. Watch what it becomes. Watch what all this becomes. You see that? These are all the components that I'm preaching today. And it becomes hope. So if you'll embrace this, you have hope. There's people here today that's not comfortable with your present lifestyle. There's people here today that knows, you know, you've lost a lot of that. You don't possess it like you used to. And, and you're hurting a little bit on the inside. You're a little bit miserable. Your conscience kind of lets you have it every night when you go to bed. I, I'm asking you that, 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 that you left the mountaintop and that glory of speaking in tongues and shouting and rejoicing. You, you've, you've had those moments in prayer meetings where you sobbed and travailed and, and all of that. It seemed like God could just pick you up and take you to heaven at any moment. All that's over. None of us have really been there like that in a while. So God is going to see what you're going to do. 
the rest of your life. Now the glory is that God isn't, you know, sending angels every five minutes and moving everything out of your way for you and taking care of all the life's problems and stuff. What are you going to do now? If you'll persevere, if you'll regain your grip here today, God is getting ready to take the church on another roller coaster ride, if you will, straight up to the top of another mountain that we'll see him even more clear. We'll see even him better than we've ever seen him before. And I just wonder who wants to make that trip. Anybody want to go? We're lifting and living in that after glory mode. It ain't over. It ain't over. I know it's Christmas Sunday, but I'd like for them to begin to sing. And I'd like for everybody that will, if you feel comfortable too, to come gather up around the front. And I want us to commit to God that we're in for the next We're in for the next we're in for the next will of God that He has for our life. We're open for God to take us wherever He wants to take us. But you gather around this morning as I sing, lift your face, your heart, your hands heavenward. Say, God, I'm putting my hand Yourself to him. Come on, Grace Church, let's do this. 